Today on The Topping Show, McDonald's hires Cardi B for promos, Altria might invest in another e-cigarette company, Elizabeth Holmes is having another child to potentially try to avoid jail, the Supreme Court is examining the White House order to have taxpayers pay for other people's student loans, all of that and much, much more on The Topping Show. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in today. Today's episode of The Topping Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN and Topping Technologies. ExpressVPN helps protect your online data, and Topping Technologies is an IT value-added reseller and services company with a special proficiency in IT security. If you're a business owner or an IT leader, especially in Texas, you use some assistance, you could reach them at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Now, going into the business part of the podcast, Altria announced that they are potentially going to buy an e-cigarette maker by the name of Enjoy, N is in Nick, J is in Jack, O is in Oscar, Y is in Yellow, for $2.75 billion. Uh, for all of you folks at home who don't know a little bit about Altria, that's the parent company behind most of the cigarette brands you recognize which at the stores, which their most famous one or most pro- prolific, everyone, easy to recognize design or brand being the Marlboro brand. And if you look at the trend throughout the tobacco industry past couple of years in the United States, the rates have been decreasing for traditional tobacco products. They've been growing outside of the country, but there's a lot of sales potential in the U.S. So they've been transitioning to e-cigs or vaping and all that's a huge trend in the United States. I know some folks who were distributors that they were making upwards of 75 grand a month. There's just a massive volume. It was a huge cultural phenomenon shifting to that new type of product. Now, Altria says they are actually looking to divest Juul, which some might say that Juul, e-cigarette maker, was unfairly targeted by lawsuits and regulatory bodies who alleged that they had targeted kids in ads as well as flavors, because adults can't like candy, flavored tobacco or products. Actually, I take it back. I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kid, adults don't like grape. That's preposterous. Who? Why would adult? Why would an adult want a flavored cigarette or e-cig? That, that's definitely. It's got to be the only logical explanation is they're targeting the kids, of course. Now this is going to be potentially a huge hit to Altria because they currently value Jewel at seven hundred fourteen million dollars, but when they invested in that company, they valued it at thirty-eight billion back in twenty eighteen, and they invested twelve point eight billion dollars into that company. So they saw the writing on the wall with that being a huge, is the fastest, I believe the fastest growing e-cigarette company. They were everywhere, not just physically, but also their marketing. And so many people were buying it. Altria made a good business decision to invest in that business. But then the lawsuits, regulations, it just, many, many suspect that they might not be able to make it come back. It'll be interesting to see how that continues to evolve as the e-cigarettes and the vaping continues to grow in trends in the United States and abroad as a newer delivery method for nicotine. Now, General Motors says that they're going to cut more than 500 executive level and salary jobs. Somewhat ironically, this is after CEO Mary Barra said that they had no plans to do any layoffs as recently as when she said that last month. Now, look at the breakdown of the current General Motors structure, which is the parent company behind Chevrolet, GMC, Cadillac, and Buick. They used to have many more brands before 2008 bankruptcy. But those are the four brands that they decided to keep locally or in the United States. And if you look at the breakdown of the company who works there, there are 86,000 hourly workers and 81,000 salaried workers at General Motors. Now, 
They're also continuing to shift their investments. Last year, its capital investments were around $9 billion, and this year they estimate that their capital investments are going to go up to 11 to $13 billion, most of which is going to be going towards EV. And that's also another reason potentially to lay off folks because there is a much, much shorter list of supplies needed to make a electric car. A lot of the consumables of the internal combustion engine, all those, there's different complexities since you're basically working with a computer. But in terms of the number of components that go into creating and maintaining an electric car, it's much, much less than an internal combustion engine. One of the reasons that may suspect EV wasn't adopted quickly, especially with the UAW or United Auto Workers, so the union, kind of the automotive industry, are suspect that they would eliminate a lot of jobs. So in the past, there's much more pushback. Further to the point of their investment in EV, GM, their CFO, noted that 75% of their product-specific product capital is being dedicated to EV and AV, and this was during his 2022 earnings call. So though, you know, we recently purport, reported that they're going to Im they're going to invest a little under a billion in the V8, good call, diversify your product line, as well as look at GM histories throughout the decades and over 100 years, I believe, now in existence. That was their best invention, bar none, and they've just perfected it ever since. But looking at the financial financials, is pretty clear where they're putting most of their money. And many are speculating this is going to cause more layoffs. But it'll also increase the number of hires in software, R&D, around the EV. It'll be interesting to see if it's a net loss, as some suspect. Now, going over to Twitter, there's a rumor that the new CEO potentially might be Steve Davis. Steve Davis is the current CEO of The Boring Company, another one of Elon's, some of, some almost joke hobby, became full-blown business. And it quite literally is The Boring Company, which B-O-R-I-N-G. And rudimentarily speaking, it's a giant cylinder-looking thing. Think of a grain silo. And it tunnels through the earth slowly, but it does it. It almost is 100% internal in terms of the feeding of the mechanisms. It puts up the walls around it as it digs out and actually recycles the clay to make bricks. It's a fascinating technology, and they're using it behind a lot of Elon's other ideas, like the Hyperloop that he wants to put over in California. And municipalities around the U.S. are hiring the boring company to do that service of boring out subway stations or under not, not the restaurant, underground subways. They're still around in some places. So that's been growing exponentially. And they're also known for having the really cool and brilliant way that they raised money where they had the Boring Company hat that sold out immediately. Then they had the Boring Company, I believe the most, they had a fire extinguisher. And it's a lot like Supreme, very low quantity of units, but it's a cool, unique item that has the branding on it. And the most famous of which, which everyone wants, is the Boring Company made not a flamethrower. And they literally called it not a flamethrower, limited it to, uh, I believe, 20,000 units sold them for $500 a piece. And to this day, they sell for, you know, 12 to $1,200 to $2,500 on eBay. Plus, I mean, it just goes on from there. With their latest genius of publicity, they just came out with a burnt a burnt hair cologne. So a cologne that smells like burnt hair, and it's got the branding on it, and people are buying it just because it's Elon, and they're raising money because of that. So from my perspective, I find the boring company fascinating in and of itself just on their marketing and how they're raising capital. But going back to Steve Davis, so he's a current CEO of The Boring Company, and he first rose to fame in the public lexicon when Elon first bought Twitter. Steve was one of the first folks 
to go to the actual Twitter headquarters on site, start making changes. And a lot of people noticed that he was one of the first employees to start sleeping in the headquarters with himself sometimes, and then subsequently later his partner and newborn, or his, uh, sorry, his wife and um, newborn joined him in the office, which if you look at who Elon is as a person, that's exactly who he admires is people who are going to grind it great. They're literally work, literally willing to work 105 hours a week to make their dreams come true. Which is something I definitely admire about Elon. He had the same work ethic when he was putting together, I believe the model three and he just slept in the factory and he just worked there every day. His employees came in, they saw him first and they saw him last. He never left, which some say is old school. Personally, I think it's a great sign of leadership to show that you're putting in the sweat equity and you're actually putting the man, man hours to make it happen. So that's one of the reasons many suspect Elon is increasing his respect and see if it might promote him to the CEO of Twitter. Elon did a publicity, some say publicity, publicity stunt, but on Twitter, he did a poll asking if he should step down as the CEO of Twitter. And I believe it was 54, around 54% said he should step down. Now granted, there's a lot of bots on Twitter still, and who knows who's really behind those votes. So. It'll be interesting to see if he really takes it to heart. He just spent a couple, you know, he spent a lot of money on Twitter. I don't know if he want to give up total control. He, granted, he'd still own it. But uh, given his history of turning around companies, it'll be interesting to see what future role he takes as Twitter, or sorry, Tesla investors continue to cry and declaim that he's not giving them the best attention. They're losing money because he's not there every day, even though they just had the most profitable Q4 in history. But nevertheless, so... Davis or Steve Davis is also reported to be one of the first actions in, re in regard to the recent layoff of 200 employees at Twitter. So he spearheaded that initiative more impressively or most impressively when Elon first bought Twitter, Steve was helping him look at the finances and he told people, Steve told people that he found ways where he thinks he can cut about 800 million from the Twitter's cost. And then he, once he was working on the job, he looked at all the expenses. He was able to cut it by a billion dollars in expenses, which is exactly what Twitter needs because it's still a money pit. They're losing money every month. They're trying to increase their money through Twitter Blue, which is you get the blue check mark for a couple bucks a month. I think it's $8 or something like that. And it means you're authorized. You see less ads potentially. But like most advertised dependent businesses, including Facebook, Meta, Google, they're hurting because advertising dollars are less. So that's a trend we continue to see. And for the longest time, that was one of Twitter's main sources of revenue, though they were still losing money. So I wouldn't be surprised if you promote Steve. I mean, that would be, if he continues his leadership skills and you cut that cost a little bit, they might just be able to turn a profit. Time shall tell. Now going off to the culture news, which is also subsequently somewhat of disgusting business news in terms of what happened. Elizabeth Holmes has had another child. May are thinking she did it just to avoid child time. If you might remember, she's a scam artist behind the blood test company called Theranos. And she was known for having a Steve Jobs black sweater and sounding really creepy. So if you just look at, or rather if you've listened to any of the interviews with Elizabeth Holmes, she always artificially lowered the actual... Her actual voice, it was really bizarre. And I'm actually trying to bring up a clip really quick. Cause it is quite amusing. That's it's one of the reasons people thought she was a scam artist to begin with. Because there's such a stark contrast between 
her voice being real versus fake. So I'm gonna pull up a little clip of her. You can hear. Over the last 11 years, we've. So it's gonna start with her creepy voice. So she has a signature Steve Jobs knockoff, um, long sleeve. What do you call that thing? Turtleneck. I haven't heard that term in years. So let's see. This is Elizabeth Holmes, and I mean, doesn't this sound a little suspect to you? Reinvented the traditional laboratory infrastructure. And we talked to our. So now here's a normal voice. Our lab team, and they said, okay, you can do the draw. And so they did this, what would have been a finger stick on this little nub on his arm. Sure, yeah. I'm... Going back to fake. Over the last 11 years, we've reinvented the traditional laboratory infrastructure with a mission to make early diagnosis and early so clearly you could tell there's a big difference between her real voice and the scam artist voice she perhaps appropriately i would compare her to the silence of the lambs character i'm actually surprised she's not saying put the lotion on the skin and for those who aren't aware of the situation the reason i'm so disgusted utterly with her is she was the founder of this company that promised everyone a faster, cheaper way to test blood, which would save millions of lives. One of the biggest, well, big issue in healthcare is the delay, the time taken to actually process the blood. You need to take a couple of vials, it goes to a lab, depending on where the lab is. You have so, all these delays, feeds, and fees, and it, and it adds up. And she had this magical box, which you couldn't go in. You had to sign an NDA. is maybe half the size of this table. And just by magic, she wouldn't tell you the science because there was none. Just a little pinprick. So a little drop of blood from you was all they needed to do all the tests. And it turned out it was all BS. People lost their jobs. I mean, all the some of the smartest companies, I believe CVS invested. All these companies invested. So it destroyed lives both physically as well as fiscally. And does it's fascinating. I believe I believe her dad was actually one of the Enron execs. Coincidence? Perhaps. I need to double check that, but this is her second kid, and she's trying to delay her 13-year sentence, which I say is, that's a joke. It should be much longer than than 11 years, sorry, 11-year sentence for the intentional deceptive thing she did. This wasn't by accident. Now, this is her second child, so going back in time, let me see here. Her child was delayed, so... She, had, she was pregnant when she was arrested, when the scandal first broke out and everyone realized she, she's, it was all BS. It wasn't real. And she's trying to delay her 11-year sentence. Start her child. So her first trial, her first hearing was delayed because of the delivery of her first child, which is a son. Now her second child just delivered a couple days ago. And one of the arguments the lawyers are making is you cannot separate this baby from her mom. And try and play with the emotor, emotional rhetoric. And so her next hearing is in March, March 17th. And that hearing will be around the topic of her request to remain free during the appeals process, which of course the appeals process is going to take years on years and years. So it's debatable if she ever actually will spend a day in jail because she's just going to keep fighting it and fighting and fighting it. So now she's had two kids. And the fact that more people aren't Dis uh, viscerally disgusted by this is ridiculous. Everyone should be disgusted by this. It should and potentially, potentially unite left, right, whatever hell you believe in. I mean, this person scammed the whole world. And I don't see any reason why she shouldn't be thrown in jail immediately.
especially she should not be free during her appeals process when there's so much overwhelming evidence of wrongdoing. So it'll be interesting to see what happens from that. Needless to say, is disgusting to say the least. Now, going to the politics, the Supreme Court heard uh, heard arguments on Tuesday to examine the student loan debt relief. Going back in time, the Biden administration is set to wipe out $20,000 in student loan debt for those making less than 105k per year or 250k per year if you're a married couple. If the if the plan goes through, this would impact 40 million Americans. And this would cost over $400 billion over the next 30 years. The case hinges on the point, pinpoint on whether the White House is exceeding its authority by trying to cancel debt. And there are plaintiffs, including the states of Missouri, Arkansas, Iowa, Kansas, South Carolina, Nebraska. The student loan debt has doubled since 2019. The student loan debt is more than everyone's credit card debt combined. Student loan debt coming in at $1.8 trillion. And many say that the Supreme Court is going to shoot this down because the White House, they would, they're going to argue they don't have the authority to hand out money like this. And it also is also a good lessons learner in terms of go back in time and one of the oldest philosophical points or pitches or ideals that is spoken is the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And a lot of people actually blame the government for the increase in college tuition cost. And this is coming from the Higher Education Act in 1965, in which they, they, the government had the taxpayers guaranteeing loans made by private lenders to students. And it came from the ideal that the government and the president at the time were saying everyone deserves to go to college and further their education, increase their ability to make, a, make more money. So I had a, and. The goal was to increase the number of student loans out there, make it more accessible to many people. A good intention, although I would also argue that's not the government's job to pay for that those types of initiatives, but also meant one of the biggest pivot points. And then later, decades later, uh, the I believe it was Fannie Mae, one of those private sector, but also works with the government, that lending institution, institution, they made it so you can't get rid of the student loan even in bankruptcy. So the government, the government is coming out and they're guaranteeing this loan will be paid off, whether you are getting a engineering degree, a nuclear science degree, or if you're getting an underwater basket weaving degree, they'll pay off the degree. It's guaranteed. Now, if it's guaranteed, the colleges know this. They're not stupid. They're, they're, in, a, they're, they're in the business of making money. And one of the reasons the costs go up every year because it's guaranteed. If you knew you could sell a product and you can make whatever price point you want because they're just going to say yes and sign papers, then of course they're going to increase that cost over time. And it's just gotten incredibly out of hand when you look at the value you're receiving from a college degree, depending on what you're doing and what you're getting in terms of education and physical and intangible assets. And it's one of those things where I think a lot more schools, a lot more parents and culturally, they should be told that just taking a vocational or a traditional job like a plumber or electrician you can make a lot of money doing that you can make a living doing those things you don't need a college degree which i think was that was one of the biggest cultural fails is that people think you need a piece of paper to succeed anecdotally speaking from my experience i know more millionaires who most millionaires i know don't have college degrees they just found a passion they hustled for a long time they grew their businesses and now they're extremely successful and they don't have a college degree 
most college, you know, I contrast that most people with college degrees I know are still paying off the debt because it is a lot of money, but it's also a commitment. So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, the student loans have been delayed for over a year now. It started with COVID and then went through the midterms coincidentally as they just extend it, extend it, extend it. And I feel bad for a lot of those folks who took out the money. They took out these loans and they got a degree that doesn't pay off because that is a burden and it is a bad gamble, a bad investment. But a lot of people don't realize you will have to, you're paying for this. We all are. Because money comes from somewhere. The government can pretend to print money all they want, thanks to inflation. But it's going to be the taxpayers who are on the hook. And there's a big disparity. A lot of people are saying it's not fair for the, the plumber, Bob, who's been working at his business for 20 years, building up his LLC, maybe. And he has to pay for Kevin's student loans because Kevin took out, Kevin chose a bad degree or things didn't work out. Maybe Kevin found a different thing he wanted in life, wanted to do. But it'll be interesting to see how that progresses. Now, going on to the business blunder of the day. And I know it's only Feb, March. This might be the biggest blunt business blunder I've actually heard in years. And it's ridiculous. So McDonald's hired Cardi B and Offset for promos, promotional materials, and marketing, and franchisees. Many of them are not happy. Now, when they said they're hiring Cardi B and Offset, I first thought they were going to hire someone like John Williams, who's a brilliant composer who's written soundtracks for everything from Star Wars, Jaws, to Indiana Jones, to offset her rapping, you know, kind of balance it with two different genres. Granted, I did some research. Offset is actually the name of a rapper. Fascinating. I mean, that's a little confusing. Offset. Weird. But he has his brand. So I do a little Googling that. So she's not partnering with John Williams or anything like that. It's not that type of offset. It's a person. Now, if you look at McDonald's, one of my favorite books, incidentally, is Grind It Out by Ray Kroc, who many attribute to be the one of the founders of McDonald's, he found the McDonald's brothers and he built out the entire franchise model, which is why it's one of the largest companies on the planet feeding 1% of the world's population every day, which no restaurant comes close to that volume of business. And from the beginning of the company, McDonald's was always a family-oriented business. They wanted to make it friendly, clean. There's a reason Ray Kroc in his book and in the movie, um, the movie The Founder with Michael Keaton, he actually noted he did not want jukeboxes or vending machines at any of the stores. And partially was to keep the mob out because at the time, depending on the city and jurisdiction, they had connections in those types of businesses. But it also kept out the riffraff in, a, in terms of he didn't want, I don't know, young hooligans in blue jeans, I believe is one of the one of the founders described, like the, young, the youth of the day. They didn't want individual teenagers there. They wanted families there. They wanted the whole family to come. So from the very onset of the company, that was a whole orientation. That's how they sold the idea to franchisee owners, and that's how they advertised it to their customers. And for decades, it was a great place to bring your family. And one of the biggest blunders is Cardi B is, a, is not at all family-friendly. Now, she's an alleged musician. I Some say this is music. I need to do more research. She, uh, alleged musician. Now, if you look at her past, she bombastically and proudly said she is a sex worker. She would then drug the men and she would rob the men. So that's the complete antith antithesis of morality. So she 
is proud of those things. She not only did them, she's proud of them. Do you want your kids seeing that? McDonald, do you want to see McDonald's glorifying that by having her on their promotional materials? And that's not it. If you look into her, I guess these are songs, alleged songs, alleged songs. But one of her most famous songs is called Wet, I'm trying to think of a way to make this PC, Wet, A word for your butt, and P word for the female genitalia. And her main lyric of the song is, there are garden, oh, how do I say this? Garden hose? Yeah, I think if you say, that's okay to say. Garden hose in this house. Is that family friendly? No, of course not. It's not even, I would argue it's not even friendly for humans, but I'm not going to judge everyone's taste of music too much to each their own. But throughout the whole song, and I did torture myself for you. That's how much I care about my subscribers and my fans. I watched that song, and the whole song depicts grotesque sexual acts while barely while, while barely wearing a single modicum of clothing. So obviously, sexual overtones through the roof, substance, vacuous, I would say barely any. And again, is that family friendly? Hell no. There's not a single iota, there's not a single intelligent person who would say so. So there are many franchisee owners actually demanding that they stop this initiative, this marketing promo, and they're refusing to actually put up, because with marketing of main displays, such as, you know, on my laptop, I have a little physical sticker. So you have your little physical standees in the stores, but you also have digital marketing where they'll run commercials on the internet, like YouTube or the tube TV. And these franchisee owners are saying this goes against everything the company stands for, which is true. And they're saying they want no part of it. And it's their right to make those demands because as a franchisee owner, franchisee owner part of your dues or perhaps could think of it as a commission you pay McDonald's for, you're paying them to help you with marketing and advertising as well as the traditional infrastructure of connecting you with suppliers to give you the materials such as the burgers, napkins, and such. But they have a vested interest in having the most successful marketing campaign and McDonald's brand is family. So hiring these two, music again, musicians is a long stretch here, folks. But hiring them to be basically ambassadors for the company, people are correlating those people to McDonald's. It's the exact opposite of what the founders would want and the current franchisee owners want, and I would argue many of the customers don't want this either. So it is a bizarre partnership, I suspect, with enough pushback, they'll cancel the initiative. And again, hire, hire literally anyone else to do a marketing campaign with if you're McDonald's. I mean, just think of any, think of a celebrity that has no controversy and is family friendly. That's what you should choose. That's, this isn't rocket science. And even if they're trying to pull off some new Coke cliche or they're saying they're doing this for shock value to gain attention, well, yes, a lot of people are talking about it. Not as many as there should be. I didn't see a single article on like a business website, such as, but it's just one of those things where it makes zero sense to the company's core values. Needless to say, this is a business blunder, not only of the day, but I nominated it for the business blunder of the year. Thank you everyone for tuning in today. If you want to see more similar, similar content, don't forget to like, subscribe content. Don't forget to tell your friends, tell your families, tell your coworkers, heck, tell your enemies, tell anyone and everyone. Y'all just stay safe and fight the good fight.